Good morning. This is, for me, very exciting and very terrifying. <laughs> Here we are. So I've always had an affinity for Zazen or something like Zazen. I liked sitting quietly and paying attention to what was around me. But I did it pretty infrequently. Still in my early 20s, I decided it was time to maybe explore with people who actually had done this for a while. See if I could learn something from them. And so that's when I went to Minnesota Zen Meditation Center. Um, I was surprised how similar Shikantaza uh, was to what I was doing. I didn't sit staring at a wall before, but still, the, the mental mindset, I guess, was pretty much the same. Just sit down and pay attention. My, can you hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, good. I find sometimes lately I've been speaking too quietly. One of the things I did at the Zen Center is, I lived in Columbia Heights at the time, and Minnesota Zen Meditation Center was kind of far. And I wanted to go there more often. So I saw somebody had put up a, a roommate wanted note in the basement. And so I moved into a, the upper part of a duplex that included a, a couple of people who would later become priests. Uh, and in one case, their future spouse, in the other case, their son. So that was interesting and uh, impressive to be around the commitment that they had. And uh, I compared myself, and it, didn't, it wasn't a happy comparison. <laughs> Um, still, it was inspiring. Sitting turned out to be, formal sitting turned out to be pretty difficult for me, physically, because I needed to be able to do it right, right away. <laughs> um, and mentally, um, monkey mind on steroids. It felt like sometimes I didn't use those words back then, but it was uh, it was pretty hard to focus, sort of on demand. And that was discouraging. So I didn't so much. Uh, I put myself throughout the years in a lot of situations which should have been wonderful for developing practice, and somehow I resisted. Uh, um, anyway, uh, I, I moved a few times, uh, several times in the uptown neighborhood to stay close to MZMC, and then I bought a house. Um, then I got married, had kids. And, 
I had trouble with that marriage and went to see a therapist who said, you know, you should probably get yourself evaluated for ADHD, <laughs> which, uh, which back then ADHD was thought to be for most people just for kids, but they were starting to realize, well, maybe adults too. Still, the way I had the place I had to go to get evaluated was the University of Minnesota program in child and adolescent psychiatry. <laughs> so I went there. They said, "Oh yeah." <laughs> and that was uh, helpful for me to put a name to my frustrations. Um, they. Uh, did some talk therapy to try to give me some um, tools to help me mentally work better. That didn't do much. They, we experimented with drugs. Um, the best drug they've got for ADHD, at least last time I checked, was Ritalin, a stimulant. And the best drug they've got works on fewer than half the people. Mm. Um, and I wasn't one of them. Um, so the next thing they do is try a various uh, antidepressants off-label. Um, that was an interesting set of experiments for me. Uh, one of them was Prozac, and I felt I understood. I wasn't suicidal, mind you, but I felt I understood why, why it was developing a reputation mm. for, for people doing suicide, taking that drug. It was just emotionally deadening. Um, another one that was fascinating, Wellbutrin worked instantly. Antidepressants don't work instantly. I don't know what was going on, and I really wish I understood how to explore that more. But it was beautiful. Like the day after I started something like that, I, uh, I was going to college at the time. I wanted a, a course that I wasn't particularly enjoying and was difficult, and I had some reading to do. So I took my family over to my mom's house, because we do that on Sundays. And um, I sat in the back room and tried to read. Kids turned on the TV. Normally, that would be a killer for me, having a TV in the next room. And kids doing kid things, the noise. But somehow, that time, I was able to read. I was aware of the TV. I was aware of the kids. And I was still able to read. I'd read about a technique for reading that was like conversation with a book. It always sounded marvelous to me. And in this case, it was a textbook. And I was having a conversation with it. I thought I read something that raised a question in my mind. And the next paragraph, the author would answer the question. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but it didn't last. It lasted a few days. But, um, and I haven't found anybody else who's had such a, an experience with that drug. So maybe it wasn't the drug. Maybe it was... Um, something else going on, but whatever it was, I wish I could do it again. <laughs> anyway, a few more years, I found a, a, an old retired drug, not prescribed anymore, but still available as a nutritional supplement uh, called Dinol. Uh, last, uh, it was uh, sold by a division of 3M. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's helped some. Um, not as much as the first few days on Wellbutrin, but it has helped some. Uh, 
And I still take that stuff though, uh, you know, um, pretty much every day. Around uh, 1995, um, I received Jukai from uh, Shuhaku Okamura Roshi uh, when he was interim abbot at MZMC. So that was cool. I, uh, I actually don't remember anything from Jukai or from the uh, lay ordination. Mostly I remember uh, attempting sewing and and uh, Tomoe Katagiri Sensei coming around and saying, nope, stitch ripper, do over. Uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> what did I do wrong? <laughs> and I, I think most of the stitches in that um, ended up being done by other people because I did a lot of sewing and I, Tomoe did a lot of stitch ripping. <laughs> <laughs> That was frustrating, but I got through it. <laughs> and uh, that, uh, even if I don't remember Jukai, that process somehow ended up meaning a lot to me. And the, okay, so the, the Raksu means a lot. So that uh, all that therapy and the exploration of ADHD didn't really help the marriage. So while I was getting divorced, turned out it's an easy time to change one's name. So I decided to take my uh, Dharma name as my legal name. Uh, that caused all sorts of unanticipated problems. I, the idea was that it would inspire me, remind me constantly of my aspirations. Um, and to some degree, it did that. But it turns out computers don't like me. Computer programmers are very conservative people. I know this because I was a computer programmer. And, uh, and typically they insist that people have names that fit their preconception of what a name should look like. And uh, for instance, that's a first name and a separate last name. Oh well. <laughs> Mostly I just make up something for one or the other, or I do different things, depending. Sometimes the forms are pretty limiting in what they take. There was one outfit that insisted I have two names and insisted I use my full legal name. I couldn't stand up with them. I just couldn't. Oh, well. Uh, <clears throat> So after that, I sat by myself, sometimes. Um, I worked as a computer geek. I kind of liked that. It's like they were paying me to do something I kind of liked doing. And uh, it was a nice set of jobs. And each different job, still a computer geek, but still different enough to keep me interested. Um, I get the impression that there's a lot of uh, ADHD people in computers. <laughs> also uh, among uh, religious converts. <laughs> um, 
So it was roughly 19 or 2019. I didn't really keep track. I really, this is just not working. I need to do something more. So I started ramping up my sitting, doing it regularly, which I wasn't, I was sitting before, but not regularly. And I, I started doing it quite regularly. Uh, got myself a meditation timer to help with that, ramped up my time per sitting, my time to sittings per day. Um, it was nice. It felt uh, like I was finally getting into it. Um, zazen. So, getting ready to maybe re-engage with the Sangha. And, of course, COVID. Oh, what do I do now? <laughs> um, and I found an online Sangha. They've been doing it online for a long time. So, that was helpful, but it wasn't like being there. Um, so I sat with them for most of that year. Uh, and the next. And then uh, decided to start looking for a teacher. Maybe I don't need a, to actually sit in the Zendo yet. But coincidentally, around that time, it turned out a lot of Zendos were re reopening. But anyway, I was uh, looking for a teacher. And as it happens, I know quite a few people who are priests. So I, I developed a list. Um, I didn't know Myo'on as a priest. So Myo'on wasn't actually on my list. But I started listening to more vocal Dharma talks on YouTube or Zoom or some such. And, um, I found Mia Owens talks compelling. And so I talked to her some and asked her if she'd agree to be my teacher. And she said, well, no, no, uh, let's, let's try this on a temporary basis and make sure it's going to work for both of us. No, well, actually, that makes sense. Um, uh, she suggested a year. I suggested six months, and she went with that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, I thought somebody was shoveling outside. <laughs> oh. I don't know why I put the, oh yeah, I did. okay, that was a big deal. Uh, so, um, I guess I got things out a little out of order. One thing that happened uh, in uh, not long after COVID uh, hit is a uh, cop murdered uh, a fellow in South Minneapolis, very near my old neighborhood, um, and would have got off with it if it weren't for somebody with a cell phone camera. And so they got convicted. As an aside, I need to say they, that they, I think a big part of the reason that the jury decided it was okay to convict this police officer was that several years earlier, another police officer who is the first one, as far as I can tell, ever convicted in Minneapolis of murder, uh, a black officer who killed a white um, citizen. Um, I'm sure that's purely coincidence that that was the first one convicted. Um, but 
that happened. And I, I, it's my opinion that that influenced um, Chauvin's conviction. Sort of made it possible. Uh, that was a big deal for me, all of the, that stuff, because I live a block off Lake Street, uh, pretty darn close to the third precinct. Uh, a lot of the buildings along Lake Street, buildings that I visited, uh, were burned. Um, stayed up nights, several nights, hoping that they wouldn't come to my block, which as far as I can tell, they didn't. They were mostly not interested uh, in retrospect in burning people's houses. They just wanted to burn businesses and well, a police station. But uh, a lot of that was really enabled by the police rioting. Um, it was pretty amazing the things that the police would do without provocation um, to the people they vow to serve and protect. Um, it was disappointing. Um, also, after COVID hit, uh, I was part of a small group of people in uh, a couple of university departments that happened to share a building complex uh, that took care of computers for that uh, building complex, the workstations, some of the workstations and the servers. Um, and when COVID hit, they started getting short on money and they fired us. So they had a couple of programs in place that, that I had to choose among. Uh, they, the layoff program was actually pretty good. Um, and I added up uh, what likely financial benefit of that, but also they had a, a retirement incentive. And I, that was added to the complexity of what I do now. And I, I ended up deciding to go with retirement, um, guessing what the future would bring. Um, not sure it was the right choice, but I didn't have a great insight into the future. At the time I was doing my figuring, it seemed like it was the best. And did I mention I've got ADHD? I never planned at all <laughs> for retiring. Uh, so I was really anxious about that. Turns out it's worked out okay. <laughs> um, but I wasn't sure it would. Um, Fortunate. Not exactly doing this in order. So a lot of changes in my life, I suppose everybody's life throughout the last few years and well, throughout the life. Um, a lot of changes in who I think of as me. And yet, Things are good. Um, I, I heard a, a, 
I read uh, some time ago a quote from Wendell Berry, who is, I guess, a famous uh, farmer, poet, philosopher. Uh, and he was quoting his father. And he said, his father said, I have had a wonderful life and I have had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, that, me too. <laughs> me too. I've been very fortunate and privileged, and it's just been amazing um, how well things have gone. And then this stuff, this is more complicated than I imagined. <laughs> um, but the next step in my, I guess, Zen evolution, I'm not sure where it's going to go. It's going to be interesting. Um, still learning how to dress myself. <laughs> So if there was a thread tying all of that together, I'm not sure what it was, but um, maybe if you ask me questions, that will help. How's your monkey mind on steroids going? Better. It's still present, but with the drugs and the practice, um, better. As an aside, um, oh, I didn't mention, oh, shoot. Uh, I, I was in the hospital nine, ten months ago, something like that. I had some pretty serious surgery, people digging around in my brains with knives. Um, and they were worried about inflammation of the brain when they were done, so they gave me steroids yeah. <laughs> uh, to help keep that inflammation down. Um, I was taking some other drugs too, so I didn't notice the common side effect of steroids um, for about five days after I got out of the hospital. Um, I suspect that one of the other drugs I was taking was maybe countering the effect of the, uh, the uh, stay awake all night effect of the steroids. Uh, anyway, when I was taking those steroids, which are stimulating, wow, my, as I recovered from the surgery, my mind was so clear. It was amazing. Um, and then I quit sleeping and that was the end of that. <laughs> So anyway, that's uh, maybe a more words than I needed to answer your question. Did I answer your question? That's, yeah, I was wondering if you're, uh, so you talked about the steroids and things like the actual steroids. I'm wondering if your practice, uh, speaking as someone who has a monkey mind and has, has uh, works with it every time I sit silent and I have to be able to ask for what negotiate. I'm wondering if you find the practice has helped to your, your meditation practice has helped to control isn't the right word, but to to be able to live with it. Before before I 
started having people dig in my brains. Yes, absolutely yes. Uh, since then, um, less. Um, I, I think it will take a while to recover from that. Um, and speaking of people digging around in my brains, I suppose I should have mentioned why I've got a lumpy head. Um, I was starting, it was built up pretty gradually, but about a year ago, I was starting to feel pretty fatigued, uh, more than usual. Didn't really notice it right away, it was gradual. And one day I came here, I had signed up, I would have stayed home if I hadn't signed up to run Zoom. But I did sign up to run Zoom, so I came here and it was such a slog getting here on my bike. But I, I left in enough time, unusually. Um, so I got here and I was working on Zoom. It, Zoom was confusing. I've done this a few times before and Zoom was confusing that day. It took me quite a while to figure out how to get it set up, but I did. Uh, and as far as I can tell, it went okay. I uh, videoed the talk. Um, afterwards, uh, one or two people came up to me and told me how wonderfully well I was doing, which, oh, that kind of woke me up. Something is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I went home, I rode, rode my bicycle as I almost always did. And, um, Slow. It was slow. Felt like uphill all the way. <laughs> and then I got to my driveway and I was confused for a moment. I get off my bike in a different ways. I couldn't decide which, how I was going to get off my bike. And so I fell down. Uh, in my driveway, nothing else around going slow. What the hell? <laughs> So, and then I laid half under my bike. Now what do I do? It took me, it seemed like days. It, it took me quite a few minutes to realize, well, I can just stand up. And so I did. I put away my bike and went into the house and thought about what to do next. I wasn't too excited about the problem. I mean, it was obviously a problem, but do I need to do anything? I don't know. But I inter inter interacted a, a, a usual amount with my family that day, and I realized I, I really do have obligations in this life, and I better get it dealt with. So the next day, Monday, uh, I uh, took the bus to uh, HCMC emergency, and it kept me there for a week. Mm. It was interesting in the emergency room. They, they, they had a lot of people there. And still, they, I was walking. I wasn't bleeding. And they still were able to deal with me. They gave me this kind of test. Oh, no, that looks pretty good. And that kind of test. No, that looks pretty good, too. You seem pretty healthy. Um, and then they did a CAT scan and found this uh, odd thing in my brain. So then they said, well, maybe you should stay here. And I spent quite a few hours in the emergency room uh, waiting for them to find a bed. I guess the hospital was pretty full. Um, and had a, I, my, I don't remember if I had any more CAT scans, but I had quite a few MRIs um, and then uh, surgery. 
got out of surgery, moved into the recovery room. I could barely speak. I remember being incredibly frustrating, frustrated. And I was told later that they saw that and were worried about how excited I was getting over not being able to find the words to express what I wanted to say. I just remember being frustrated. I don't remember people being worried about it. Um, but it was worrisome. Uh, my daughter told me that she asked, will it get better? And I said, I didn't know. <laughs> but I did get better. Uh, I'm not back completely. Uh, in fact, that uh, on the steroids, that uh, Thursday after I got out, so four days after I got out, I think that remains my uh, intellectually my best day of this whole process. <laughs> so maybe I should start taking steroids again. <laughs> Except I like sleeping too. <laughs> okay, so an appendix to my... Okay. Yes, sir. Um, so is there anything um, particular that stands out in this last year you spent preparing yourself for the ordination? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, so, the number of people who took an interest. I mean, this, this is an example. This robe, I don't think it's fair for me to call this mine because I hardly did any of the work on it. There was 50? I'm not, I, have, I haven't added up the names. But there must have been 50 people stitching on this. Uh, wow. <laughs> and, and this, I guess, is a metaphor for my effort here. There's a lot of people um, helping. So, yeah. Um, so you're training be a teacher, and what is it that you would like off the top of your head <laughs> to share with us about what do you want to teach about? I think what I heard someone say each teacher has about two Zen uh, Dharma talks in them. Repeating <laughs> 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 them, yeah. I'm not sure that's true. I, I don't know yet. Uh, um, okay. I'm still working that out. Uh, you're probably right. I mean, those people are probably right. Um, I, I was kind of arm twisted into becoming a bicycling instructor a few years ago. And, uh, and exactly what part of that was important to me. It took me quite a while to figure out. Um, I was actually teaching for a while before I settled into these things are the important things. So, I don't know yet. There is a famous book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Haven't read the whole thing. Couldn't slog my way through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking, will you talk about, uh, would you please talk about Zen and your bicycling? Your experience, you're always on your bicycle, where you go, what you think about when you're bicycling and all that stuff. Oh. 
I kind of enjoy bicycling. It's really basic transportation for me. Um, I don't often bicycle for fun, although bicycling is fun. It's really just a fun way to get where I need to go. Um, my bicycling has changed over the last year. Um, I've been using the transit a lot more often. Um, mostly because of the weather. Um, it was a tough winter for bicycling, and normally that would be okay, but my energy isn't quite up what it used to be. And then today is a different story. Uh, they said, they said uh, thunderstorms. Well, I like riding in the rain, but I don't like riding in thunderstorms. Um, so, um, I daydream, I get distracted. I really shouldn't get distracted, but I do. Um, so I just ride. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta change the camera to me so that I don't have to turn around the. Okay, sorry. Here we go. Um, so you mentioned the murder of George Floyd in your kind of autobiography of what you know your spiritual journey, and so I wonder if you could say more about how that um, event and the events surrounding it um, has um, influenced your spiritual journey how that fits into your, your own journey. The things that happened in the aftermath were two kinds of things. One is the people who I thought would be really trustworthy turned out not to be. Uh, and the other thing is uh, the neighbors, many of us got together and looked out for each other in a way that, that surprised me quite a bit. Um, so um, a caution for me, I guess, on stereotypes. You said you have, I believe it's two children? It depends on how you count, anywhere between two and five. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'd like to hear your sharing about what it's like to be a parent. What, what, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of experiences, but what, what's, what rises to the surface for you? Failure. <laughs> loads, loads of failures. I'm amazed that they've turned out in general as well as they have. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, I've had a few successes. And I, I think maybe each of them uh, woke up afraid of a thunderstorm one time. Um, and so I would get up with them and we'd sit and look out the window and, oh, let's look at that flash. Are we going to hear the boom? Just sort of enjoying it. And it became boring and they went back to bed. <laughs> so uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, on the other hand, one of the kids needed to go to the dentist and we went to a new one, a pediatric dentist, who arranged all his chairs in a big room in a circle. 
and that was weird. And then uh, I brought my, oh, he was, I don't remember, preteen, uh, one of my sons in, and uh, he was afraid. And it didn't help to have a screaming kid just next to him. <laughs> and the dentist, my kid wanted to get up, and the dentist put a put a a, a web uh, that was attached to the chair over him to hold him in place. Oh. So my failure then was not saying, "Okay, we're done." I didn't say that. I said, "That's okay. No, we can deal with this." Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I wish I had great wisdom on that, but I don't. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing your heart with us. Okay. Okay. So. So San was asking you about how George Floyd's murder informed your spiritual practice. And I was wondering if you might say something about how this year of so-called illness, how this year has affected your spiritual practice. Well, first I want to say about uh, George Floyd, his murder didn't particularly impact me. I mean, people get murdered. It was the aftermath that did, uh, particularly the policing, uh, police riots, um, but also my neighborhood getting torched. Uh, but this this has been a frustrating time for me because my my I kind of decided that my ADHD really is about energy. And I just don't have quite as much as maybe other people do. And that's what the drug gives me. And that's what the, the cancer and the, the drugs I'm taking for the cancer um, and the surgeries and other treatments, it's taken away some of that energy. So it's going to hurt. I, speaking of hurt, I do need to mention, though, that I feel very fortunate. People with this cancer often ex experience excruciating headaches. I don't. <laughs> I want to say a little. So, Huku asked you what you want to do as a teacher. And it seems to me this year that you've been just with your illness once it was diagnosed and in many ways from my point of view and perhaps other people's point of view the way you've conducted yourself and showed up is a great teacher. And so I want to thank you for that. I disagree. 
<laughs> but we often don't see what other people see in us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know how I got on this list afterwards. <laughs> well, I don't see that I have really any choice. I have my life in front of me, and I just need to go do that, do my life. Um, I'm not super happy about the cancer, but there is the cancer, and so now I have life with cancer. I just want to say, Holcom, that just that that's a statement of great equanimity, and that's that's very attractive, and that is inspiring to see that. Thank you. Thank you. I think we are. All right. Thank you.